A few weeks ago, I preached a sermon from this very pulpit, and I told you about how my wife and I forced our children to take a six-hour tour of our alma mater on our way home from vacation. What I didn't tell you about was the torrid series of events that came before that six-hour tour of St. Olaf College. I won't go into all the gory details because it is a very, very long story, but the basic synopsis is this. Our car died on Highway 2 in the middle of the Upper Peninsula of Michigan. We were 25 miles from the nearest town at the time and much further away from our hoped-for destination that night. We were a family of five, packed full in a Honda Pilot that wouldn't move an inch. And even though we were strangers all the way from Denver, Colorado, everyone we encountered during our two-day stay in the Upper Peninsula was so hospitable. There was Justin, who towed our car, and then later on that week attempted to fix our car for us. And then there was Mike, who drove me, for me, drove me an hour all the way from Escanaba, Michigan, up to Marquette, because that was the only place in the whole UP that had rental cars. And then there was Heidi at the Avis counter in Marquette, who waived her commission so that our family wouldn't have to spend an arm and a leg on a rental. These people didn't know me, but they welcomed me. And they were so kind and so helpful and so hospitable, despite the fact that I was a stranger from very far away. I start with this story because I know that some of you are from the UP and probably like the positive press, but also because we are concluding our four-week sermon series, and today's sermon focuses on the ways that we show love to others through hospitality. Our first lesson that Marie read for us this morning, and good job on all those hard names, Marie. We gave you a tough one from Acts there. But it tells the story of an often overlooked figure, an often forgotten disciple, Lydia. The short reading from Acts describes to us how Lydia came to faith and was baptized and then immediately responded with hospitality towards Paul and his companions or to say this another way that fits with our sermon series, as soon as Lydia knew the love of God in her life, she showed that love to others by extending hospitality. Clearly, this is an essential part of how we practice our faith, showing love to others by welcoming them with non-judgmental actions. That's part of our call and responsibility as followers of Jesus. It's why we welcome everyone to take part in communion every week here at Bethany. It's why we tried to provide ushers and greeters and clear bulletins and instructions for worship so that people will be able to come into this place and feel welcome here. So that people won't think it's some sort of insider club where they have to learn all the secret handshakes before things start to make sense. It's not how a church should be. As the community of Christ, we are called to welcome others with the same grace and compassion that Jesus extends to us. It's hard though, because our brains like to take shortcuts. Scientists have studied this recently and they found that our brains are constantly filling in the gaps because there is often too much going on in any given moment for our brain to possibly process all of it. Your brain needs to make assumptions and take shortcuts so that you aren't constantly feeling overloaded and overwhelmed. There was an article in Forbes magazine recently about this exactly, and it said this. It said, our brains want to make sense of the world and the people around us. 
categorizing and labeling people and situations is your brain's way of speeding up our decision-making process. It's a survival instinct. And our brains have always been working like this, trying to keep us safe, but in the process, often making assumptions that simply aren't true. Our gospel passage this morning is one such example. I had always read the story of Zacchaeus as a story about a bad tax collector who had a change of heart when he saw Jesus. But as I studied this passage a little more this week, I realized that I had jumped to conclusions. In the gospel, we're introduced to Zacchaeus, and we are told that he is a chief tax collector. He's not just a paper pusher at the tax collecting office. He's the big cheese, the chief, the one who's in charge of lots of money. When I read that detail, alarm bells went off in my head. More often than not, tax collectors are the bad guys in the stories in scripture. Because in those days, tax collectors were constantly cheating people out of their money and contributing to the poverty and struggles of the everyday person in Nazareth. And so as I continued to read this gospel passage, I noticed that my assumptions about Zacchaeus must be correct because in verse seven, it tells us that after Zacchaeus and Jesus head off for lunch, the crowds of the people say this. They say, Jesus has gone in to be the guest of a man who is a sinner. That's what the crowd said. And I thought to myself, yeah, we got him. There it is, proof that Zacchaeus is a tax-collecting sinner. I knew it all along. But in all my excitement about being right, I never really allowed myself to get to know Zacchaeus. So far, I've just allowed my brain to make assumptions about Zacchaeus' job and what's going on in his heart. And by making these leaps, I haven't got to know the real Zacchaeus at all. Do you ever do things like this in your life? Do you ever hear someone's accent and then make assumptions about their intelligence? Or have you ever discovered where someone lives and then made assumptions about their priorities? Or maybe you learned about someone's job and then you concluded certain things about their character. This is your brain taking shortcuts. And even though we might not realize the assumptions our brain is making in the moment, these shortcuts prevent us from truly showing love to our neighbors in the ways that Jesus first modeled. In the gospel passage, it's no mistake that it's Jesus who sees Zacchaeus as more than his job. Jesus is the one who noticed that Zacchaeus had climbed a tree just to get a glimpse of him. That might not seem like a lot or important detail, but in those days, climbing a tree was a shameful act. Only children climbed trees. And so by society's standards, Zacchaeus was in fact lowering himself just to catch a glimpse of Jesus. This little detail should make us pause. Clearly, there's more going on in Zacchaeus' heart than what we might have first assumed. I wonder if this is in fact what piqued Jesus' interest too. Who is this man who climbed a tree just to see me? What's going on in this man's heart that he would take such a frowned upon action? I better go spend some more time with him. And so Jesus does. He goes to Zacchaeus' house, and this is where things get really interesting. Zacchaeus, totally unprompted, totally out of the blue, says to Jesus, I will give half of my money to the poor. 
Look with me now at the illustrator. We're gonna pull this verse up. This is verse eight from that gospel passage we just read. And here's how it was written. Zacchaeus stood there and said to the Lord, look, half of my possessions, Lord, I will give to the poor. And if I have defrauded anyone of anything, I will pay them back four times as much. This is what Zacchaeus says, but it's such a strange non sequitur. And for years, this verse, I think, has likely taught us or allowed us to think that Zacchaeus was some sort of bad text collector man. He was a bad man, but then when Jesus comes to his house, he decides to give away half his money. It seems like this is a conversion story where a man's heart is changed by an encounter with Jesus. Only that's not what happens in the text. And furthermore, this story of Zacchaeus doesn't follow a typical form for other conversion stories we might find in scripture. Let me explain. Usually, a person will be rebuked or challenged or healed by Jesus, and then that person will offer some sort of confession and Jesus will forgive them, and then that person's heart will be transformed. But none of that happens with Zacchaeus. Jesus never rebukes Zacchaeus, and Zacchaeus never confesses any sort of sinfulness, and so Jesus never forgives anything. What all this means is that there is a very good chance that we've been reading this story incorrectly. Look with me at the illustrator again. I want you to see a slightly different translation of verse eight. And Zacchaeus stood and said to the Lord, behold, Lord, half of my goods I give to the poor. And if I have defrauded anyone of anything, I restore it fourfold. In the original translation that we saw, Zacchaeus says that he will give half of his goods to the poor. But in this translation, Zacchaeus says that he gives half of his goods to the poor. In other words, it's an action that he is already doing. He hasn't been converted to a different way of life. He already is in the practice of giving away half his wealth to the poor. Biblical scholars agree that this translation on the screen is more true to the ancient Greek that it was first written in. In other words, we all have been judging and misunderstanding Zacchaeus. We thought that he was a selfish tax collector who changed his ways when Jesus came to his house, but in fact, Zacchaeus was a generous person all along. You and me and the crowds of people in the story, we all have been judging Zacchaeus and only Jesus could see that there was more to this man than meets the eye. Friends, Jesus lived a life of radical acceptance and compassion, and he calls us to do the same. We can miss out on so much when we jump to conclusions and place people in boxes before getting to know them first. We know that God loves us despite our mistakes, despite the ugly parts of us. And so we're called to show this same type of radical love to others. We can miss so much about a person when we assume that they're just their job or their race or their sexuality or their political affiliation. Zacchaeus wanted to see Jesus, but I'm guessing he also just wanted to be seen. Seen for who he actually was as a person. Seen as something more than a greedy tax collector. And in the same way, there are so many people in this world, so many people in this church, who just want to be seen. 
we all get put into boxes. People assuming all sorts of different things about us just because of some small detail. And so our role as Christians is to show love to one another by practicing radical hospitality, by seeing people as more than a label. When new people walk through our doors, instead of making assumptions, I believe Jesus just calls us to be curious. Take the time to welcome the stranger and to listen to their story. This is what Jesus did for Zacchaeus, and it's what Jesus calls us to do, to show love to all of those who cross our path. Amen.